Welcome to Through the Bible with Dr. J. Vernon McGee. We're in Galatians chapter 4 where we'll learn what it means to be adopted as a full-grown son of God. It's a great study, so hop aboard the Bible bus and let's get rolling. I'm Steve Schwetz, and while you grab your copy of God's Word, I want to share a few letters from our fellow passengers. The first is from Susan in the United Kingdom. I'm sending an extra gift on top of my monthly amount, Susan says. This ministry is a lifeline to me because, due to illness, I can no longer attend church. Right now I'm studying Romans, and Dr. McGee's teaching is showing me how we are to fully submit to Jesus and allow His Spirit to work in us. This is such a blessing. I need to be reminded that it is only through His power that we're able to live a life that pleases Him. For the last 30 years as a Christian, Susan continues, I feel I have lived an impoverished life as a believer. I have lived by my own strength, and so I've been unprofitable in serving the Lord. Your teaching has really transformed my thinking and my walk with the Lord. I am a proud member of your world prayer team and faithfully join you on my knees Monday through Friday. I'm so encouraged and uplifted by the notes from brothers and sisters all over the world that are listening with us. Being a part of this family has been a big comfort for me, as I'm the only Christian in my earthly family, I take each request to heart and I keep a notebook to write down some of the letters that especially touch me. This way I can remember to pray for them a bit longer. I thank God that he has brought this ministry to me and pray daily that he will use it to bring more lost sinners to the Savior. Well, thank you, Susan. We certainly appreciate your faithful prayers, as well as your ongoing support to keep the Bible bus moving along in your community and in your country in more than 200 languages all around the world. Well, would you like to join listeners like Susan and myself in supporting Through the Bible with your prayers and financial gifts? It's really easy to do. Just call us at 1-800-65-BIBLE or visit ttb.org. Now, next we hear from Arnold in Cape Coral, Florida. Hello, Steve and Greg. I know it's not only you. I'm sure there are many more behind the scenes moving forward the gospel of Jesus Christ. But you guys are on the front lines doing a tremendous job of finding new ways for the word to reach as many as possible in remote areas of the world. It has reached me too, and I'm grateful to Dr. McGee and to you guys who helped me in my ignorance of the Bible. I was blind, and now I see. Arnold, thanks so much. And you know, that's all of our stories. We were all blind, but now, praise God, we see. And yes, many faithful workers do serve around the world to make sure that God's Word goes out. It's not just me and Greg by any means. And we really do appreciate your encouragement, and we're so glad that you're with us on the Bible bus. Now, we got time for one more note. This is from Deanna. She's in North Glen, Colorado. I love being a part of the World Prayer Team, Deanna says. I'm grateful that I can be involved in world missions while remaining in my home. I sometimes doubt that my prayers can have an effect in faraway places. However, I know our God is a prayer-answering God. He hears and answers our requests, even though I may never see the answers this side of heaven. Well, thanks, Deanna. Thanks for that perspective. And you know, God is answering our prayers. And that's why we share the letters that we receive from listeners all over the world. And together, we're celebrating His faithfulness and goodness in our lives. Let's pray together as we begin. Lord, we rejoice that Your Word impacts so many lives as it goes out around the world. And thank You that through our prayers, we can play just a small part in what You're doing. May our time in Galatians bear fruit in the lives of all who will believe. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Here's our study of Galatians 4 on Through the Bible with Dr. J. Vernon McGee. Now, friends, as we come to the fourth chapter of the epistle to the Galatians, we're still in this section here 
of justification by faith, where Abraham has been our illustration. Now, here in the fourth chapter, we see that there's something else that comes through faith in Christ that you could never get by works of the law, and that is that it gives you the position of sons of God. Now, when I say that, that it brings you into the place of a full-grown son. Now, actually, we are babes when we start out, and we are to grow to maturation. But he gives us a position of a full-grown son so that we are given a capacity that we would not otherwise have. Now, I want you to notice this, and we need to again see the background that Paul is giving to us here. I'm reading chapter 4, verse 1. Now I say that the heir, as long as he is a child, and the word now for child here is not the word for children that was back in the third chapter, verse 26, where it should be sons of God. There it's weos, and here it's nepios, And that means just minor children. That means children that are probably not even teenagers at first, just little ones in the family. Now he says, Now I say that the heir, as long as he is a child, that is, immature, he differeth nothing from a servant, though he be lord of all. Now, again, we'll have to go back to the Roman times and Roman customs to see Paul's illustration in action. We said before that in a Roman home that certain servants had charge of different possessions of the master. Some had charge of the chattels, other of the livestock, others had charge of his bank account and his business, kept books for him, and Others had charge of the children. And now a little one that's born into the home, the servant takes him, dresses him up in a little play suit that he doesn't look any different from the rest of the children of the servants that are there. He's just like the rest of them. He has to mind them. He has to obey them. And we're told here in verse 2, but he's under tutors and governors until the time appointed of the father. Now, what time is that? That is the time that the father recognizes that he is now capable of making decisions of his own, and he brings him into the position of a full-grown son. And it was a ceremony that they had in that day that when a boy reached the age of maturity, that is, and you'll notice it was the father who determined whether he reached the age of maturity. It wasn't an arbitrary law as we have today. It used to be 21, and now politicians, they want to get more votes, and so they made it now so the 18-year-olds can vote. And don't misunderstand me. I think there's some folk as mature at 18 as they'd be at 21, and very frankly, I think that there's some that are 65-year-old today that haven't yet reached maturity. But back in those days, it was the father that decided when they reached the age of maturity, that is, the boy. And then they had a ceremony that was known as the toga virilis. And at that ceremony, he put a robe on him, a ring on him. It was the ring of the father. And this boy now, he is a full-grown son. He has that position in the family. 
Now, look at this for just a moment, and we can see it, I think, by an illustration. Here is a Roman family in Paul's day. The father, he belongs to the Praetorian Guard, the select guard of Caesar, and that means he's a commander. And so Caesar decides to make a foray up into Gaul because there are a bunch of heathen pagans up there. And you know who they were? They were my ancestors, and I think they were your ancestors too. Believe me, they were heathen. And Caesar went up there to push them back. They're a bunch of barbarians. He didn't want them in the Roman Empire. It was civilized. So he goes up there to push them back. And that campaign that he thought had last a year, it stretched out to maybe three years. And so this father that had told his little boy and his wife and the rest of the family goodbye, well, he's been gone three years. Now he comes back. And the family's all glad to see him. And he goes in, you know, to shave. And in a moment, they hear him yelling out. He says, who's been using my electric razor? Of course, they didn't have electric razors in that day, but whatever they had. And the servants all come running, and they say, your son's been using it. And he says, you don't mean that boy's grown up now and is using an electric razor. And you can see that he's not letting his beard grow because he's using this electric razor. And he says, call him in here. And they call him in, and the father looks at him, goes over, put his arm around him, and he says, son... I didn't realize you'd grown up. We're going to have the toga virilis. Going to make you a full-grown son. So they invite the aunts and the uncles and the grandmas and grandpas in, and they come in, and now this boy's made a full-grown son. He has a ring on. And that boy has a ring that when he puts it down in the wax is the same signature as his father. Because you see, the old man couldn't write, neither can the boy. What they do is just use that ring. But he has the same authority as the father has. Now he's been brought into that position. And that servant, it used to paddle him. Better not paddle him now because he'll be paddling that servant. He's been brought into this place of a full-grown son. Now, what does that mean? Well, let's move on down here. He says, even so we, when we were children... We were in bondage under the elements of the world. And that means under the law. Paul is saying here that it was the childhood of the nation Israel when they were under the rules and regulations. But when the fullness of the time was come, God sent forth his Son, made of a woman, made under the law. Or I can change that, and it just has the same value. Born of a woman, born under the law. Now, the Lord Jesus Christ was born under the law. Born of a woman. She's a Jewish woman. We have out here on the West Coast a woman out here that's saying that Jesus didn't belong to any nation at all. That far as race is concerned, he belonged to no race. May I say how absolutely puerile, senseless that anyone can be that is attempting to take a saccharine sweetness position that has no meaning whatsoever. And the woman at the well, I think, knows more than the woman out here knows today because she said, how is it that thou being a Jew askest drink of me, a woman of Samaria? She thought he was a Jew, and our Lord didn't correct 
character. So I would take it that she was accurate. And if you don't mind, I'll follow her and not some of these soft-headed and soft-hearted folk today that are trying to play down the fact of who he really was. He had a perfect humanity. Also, he was God manifest in the flesh. And today they're tampering with that. May I say to you, the only historical Jesus that we have is one that the oldest creed in the church says, He was very man of very man. He's very God of very God. And I go along with that because that's exactly what the Word of God teaches. Now here in the fullness of time was come, God sent forth His Son, made of a woman, born of a woman, born under the law, to do what? To redeem them that were under the law. Now, they were children before. You see, the law never made anyone a son of God, as we saw last time. And he says, now to redeem them that were under the law, that we might receive the adoption of sons. Now, adoption here doesn't mean what it means to us. Adoption to us today means that here's a couple that may not have any children They go out to a home where they have children for adoption and they see a precious little baby there. Their hearts go out to it and then they adopt it. It becomes legal. It has to go through court action and the little one becomes their child. And that's called adoption. But that's not what we have here. Actually, it's the man's own son. And that's what we were talking about a moment ago when he had the ceremony of Toga Virilis. That is, he's adopted now. He's adopted as a full-grown son. And the word in the Greek is weothasia, which means to place as a son. He's placed now as a full-grown son of God. Now, maybe this doesn't mean much to you. But this has meant a great deal to me, and if you will pardon me, a personal illustration. only way I know a lot of these things is by pouring it through my own hopper and having experienced it myself. I do not think that you can draw truth from experience, but you certainly can use truth. And if you've had an experience that corroborates it, then that can be true. Now, over in 1 Corinthians, the second chapter, we're told, As it is written, I hath not seen, nor ear heard, neither have entered into the heart of man the things which God hath prepared for them that love him. But God hath revealed them unto us by his Spirit. For the Spirit searcheth all things, yea, the deep things of God. Now, this means simply this that the truth that's in the Word of God can only be interpreted by the Spirit of God. And until he interprets it, you can't understand it. He alone can interpret the Word of God. That's the thing that makes the difference today in certain men. A man can bring to the Word of God a brilliant mind, and he can learn something about the history and he can study the archaeology, and he can study the language. He can become an expert in reading Hebrew or reading Greek. But he still misses the meaning. Why? Because the Spirit of God is the teacher. And until the Spirit of God teaches us 
And even Isaiah the prophet had said that in Isaiah 64, 4. For since the beginning of the world, men have not heard nor perceived by the ear, neither hath the eye seen, O God, beside thee, what he hath prepared for him that waiteth for him, that is, for Christ. Now, if you want to know about Christ, the Spirit of God will reveal it to you, but he alone can. Now, it means, therefore, that a mature Christian, one that's been in the Word for years, he is as helpless in studying the Bible as a newborn babe in Christ is, because the Spirit of God will have to teach each one of them. This is the personal illustration. When I first started in the ministry, I was so far behind everybody else. When I went back to school, I'd been out several years. I was the youngest one in my class when I had to quit at the death of my father. I was the oldest one in the class when I came back to school three or four years later. And I had to make up a great deal. And I found out I was very ignorant of the Bible. I'd never seen a Bible in my home, never heard a prayer, and I didn't even know the books of the Bible. In fact, I was ignorant, friends. No one could have been more ignorant of the Word of God than I was. And I felt it. I tell you, I spent time memorizing the books of the Bible at first, and many of things that I did not even know before. And therefore, I developed, I guess you would call an inferiority complex. When I would preach as a young preacher, I'd see people with gray hair in the congregation. I'd say, my, what I'm going to say today will be baby stuff for those folk because they really know the Bible. You know, I had my eyes open. I found out that there are a lot of folk that have got gray hair that are still babes in Christ. They just never have grown up. Now, he's put us into the place, and this was the great truth that was given to me, that the Spirit of God could teach me as a young believer as much as any mature Christian. And that mature Christian would have to let the Spirit of God be his teacher, and I would too. And we both could understand it if the Spirit of God was our teacher. Now, that was brand new for me, and that was wonderful for me. That did more for me than anything at the very beginning. And so I found out that probably that gray-haired man down there didn't really know as much about the Bible as he should have known, and maybe didn't know as much as I knew about it. And may I put it then like this today, as I came today to the study, I'm as helpless as anyone out yonder listening to this broadcast who has just accepted Christ as your Savior. The same Spirit of God that I believe is leading me and teaching me, He can teach you. And He's brought you, if you are His child, He's brought you into the position of a full-grown son, into the adoption. And my friend, there's nothing quite as wonderful as that. And that gave me a confidence and does to this good day. May I say to you, to know today that the Spirit of God will lead you and guide you into all truth if you just want to know it, if you're willing for Him to be your teacher. Now we come here as we move down into chapter 4 of Galatians to the third thing that the Spirit of God will do for us and that faith in Christ does for us that the law could never do for us. And that is... 
he can give to us the experience of sons of God. And I want you to notice this here because this is very important for us to see. Verse 6, And because ye are sons. That's a very strong statement. Because you're sons, God hath sent forth the Spirit of his Son into your hearts, crying, Abba, Father. Or as Paul puts it in the epistle to the Romans, the Spirit beareth witness with our spirit that we are the sons of God. Now, that is a very wonderful statement, too, by the way. And the Spirit of God, the Spirit of him that raised up Jesus from the dead, dwell in you. And he that raised up Christ from the dead shall also Quicken your mortal bodies by his Spirit that dwelleth in you. Therefore, brethren, we are debtors not to the flesh to live after the flesh, but if ye live after the flesh, ye shall die. But if ye through the Spirit do mortify the deeds of the body, ye shall live as sons. For as many as are led by the Spirit of God, they're the sons of God. If you're a child of God... You will want to be led by the Spirit of God. The flesh may get a victory in your life, but it'll never make you happy. You'll never be satisfied with it. Because for ye have not received the spirit of bondage again to fear. You don't need to say, my, i just not living as I should live, and I wonder whether I'm a child of God. My friend, but ye have received the spirit of adoption, whereby we cry, Abba, Father, The Spirit himself beareth witness with our spirit. We're the children of God. Now, that's in Romans, the 8th chapter. I began about the ninth verse and read down through the 16th verse because that passage parallels this one here. And actually, this is an abridged edition of that that we have here in Galatians, and I wanted you to see all of it. Then Paul says here in verse 7, Wherefore thou art no more a servant, but a son, and if a son, then an heir of God through Christ. Now, the Spirit, therefore, gives to us an experience of being a son of God, whereby we can cry out, not just saying words or being pious, but we can say, Father. We can call God our Father because the Spirit is bearing witness with our spirit. Now, that gives us an experience of being a son of God. Now, there are a great many people today that believe that the only way you can have an experience is either by reaching a high degree of sanctification, you've got to become holy, or else you've got to seek the baptism of the Holy Spirit, as they call it and that if you don't get up to that level, you just will never have an experience, my friend. And I'd like to say this for the encouragement of many weak and new believers. You can have an experience as the Son of God without reaching those levels, because that comes to you through faith in Jesus Christ. And I'm going to have to wait till next time to develop that But I hope if you have any friends today that are depending on experience to arrive at truth, 
then let's look at the truth of the Word of God here next time and see that it will produce an experience in the life, but it will produce an experience that will be in keeping with the Word of God. We move from the Word of God to experience, never from experience to truth, because everybody's experience would be different, and I'd not know whose experience to follow. I get letters of people that have had all kinds of experience, and I'd much rather follow the Word of God. Truth to experience. We'll see that next time. Until then, may God richly bless you, my beloved. That's a great teaser for our next study. As Dr. McGee said, we hope that you'll join us and invite a friend to come along for the journey. All they got to do is visit their app store and search for Through the Bible, or there are a bunch of other listening options that you can check out at ttb.org. Now, if they'd rather have Dr. McGee's entire five-year library of messages available at their fingertips, then tell them to check out our Bible Bus flash drive in our online store. I'm Steve Schwetz, and as always, I'll meet you back here next time. Now may God bless you today as you walk with Him in His Word. We're grateful for our committed listening family who faithfully pray and invest in Through the Bible as we together take the whole word to the whole world.